When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Taking Care of Lady Business, where we put the business back in lady business. Hosted by Jennifer Justice, founder and CEO of the Justice Department, a management strategy and law firm that works with female and woke male entrepreneurs, executives, talent, brands, and creatives to build and maximize their wealth, focusing in the areas of tech, consumer product, finance, media, entertainment, and fashion. Jennifer interviews entrepreneurial women who have done it all, who will be sharing their secrets on all things business, especially as a woman. These highly successful women will share strategies and insights, including what not to do and what it takes to win. And now, here's your host, Jennifer Justice. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Taking Care of Lady Business, where we put the business back into lady business. Today, we have uh, Farisa Knox. She is an author, an entrepreneur, and a producer. She owns and started and founded RLM Media and What Are You Wearing Productions. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm glad. I actually, I fumbled that intro like four times before we just did it. So um, I think I got it right. Nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Feeling myself today. Um, Anyway, thank you so much. You're in Chicago, yeah? Yeah, I'm in Chicago. It's a gloomy, typical Chicago fall day, but I'm working from home. So it's all good. I know, right? It makes it easier. The commute, (laughs) much better. Um, So why don't we start first by talking a little bit about these companies that you have and what you do exactly for them and why you started them. You can break those up a little bit, obviously. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So as you mentioned, I have uh, RLM Media, which is an ad agency, and that's my first company. It's like my my mature company, um, actually making money. <laughs> so we, um, we're a full-service integrated communication and ad firm. Um, we'll be 13 years old in a couple weeks. I love to say, because um, it's true, when I started the company, it was the same day that Barack Obama found out he was going to be the president of the United States. And oh so, wow. yeah. Were you in uh, Chicago at the time? I was in Chicago okay. at the time. Amazing. And my husband and I went to Grant Park that night to like watch him give his speech and like get the results in. So that those couple days for me were very monumental. I mean, for the country, but then for me, I was like, look at us, black people were doing it. Like I started a company, we got a black president, look at our first lady. So it was an amazing time. Um, So we're about to come up on that 13th anniversary and I'm really proud of what I've built. And today what the company does we um, across the spectrum of, of all those communication pieces, we do research, we have a creative department, we do paid media, um, digital marketing, and we're in what I used to call before the pandemic, like non-sexy categories of business, right? Like where most ad agencies want the fashion brands, they want the fast food, they want the liquor, they want you know, all of the things that are typically spending a lot of money because the consumer is spending a lot of money in those spaces because they want to. We have always played in the space that the consumer needs, right? So like healthcare, 
um, business services, higher ed, um, political campaigns, like all of those kind of things that after living and thriving through COVID, I was like, wow, these are really, truly societal needs, right? That when things are really tough, become even more important for the consumer. So our business saw a really strong growth through 2020 and 21. And I um, anticipate being able to keep this going uh, into next year and then start planning, how do I keep it going? You know, because COVID and the aftermath of it isn't um, always going to be this palatable, you know, in our lives. So that's my ad agency. And my production company is newer, but it's like my next journey as an entrepreneur and as a creative, really, because as I've had the luxury of not having to work for other people for 13 years, um, what that does when you allow it to anyway, is kind of open up your mind to like, what else do I want to do? You know, it doesn't have to be this one thing. And I've always been a creator, a writer, um, a producer, but decided to turn that into um, a way that I can channel all of that. Uh, So I I created my first television show a few years ago before COVID a reality show called PR Girl that streams on Amazon and Tubi and Plex right now. And that was like my first entryway into making something that big that actually qualified to be on people's TV screens at home and on their um, on their cell phones. So we um, are now pivoting to the scripted TV space and really want to be able to put um, authentic, real, beautiful, interesting TV out there from the woman of color perspective, specifically as a black woman, but wanting everyone to embrace it, right? So our first idea will hopefully be based on my book that I wrote, Love, Sex and Friendship in No Particular Order. And then um, from there, just kind of keep pumping out really fantastic shows. So that's like my retirement plan. (laughs) I love it. You already set up your retirement plan. Yeah, at 40, I'm like ready. (laughs) <laughs> so what, so when you started RLM Media, like the ad, ad agency, were you in um, advertising before that? Yeah, from a sales perspective, I was yeah. in advertising. So I used to sell ad space um, for radio stations across the country. Right out of school, I started at a local classic rock radio station in Richmond, Virginia. Um, I wound up, I'm from New York originally, I'm from the Bronx, but I wound up moving with my parents to Richmond, Virginia, my second day of high school in ninth grade. Oh. We moved. Yeah. Uh, that's oh. like a whole, <laughs> we probably need a whole nother hour to talk about that and that like life shift. But in that it found me in Virginia for high school and college. And I was working at a classic rock station right out of school, really learning the ins and outs of sales. Um, understanding the role that, you know, ads, radio ads at the time played in the bigger picture of marketing and advertising. But then I remembered I was from New York and and was like, what the hell am I doing living in Virginia? And I need to get out of here and moved back to New York as an adult, took that local aspect and turned it national working for a rep firm that has since gone on a business, but was working in New York and then met my now husband who's from Chicago And we moved to Chicago together. He was working in finance in New York. So we were that typical advertising finance couple (laughs) walking around New York um, and then moved to Chicago together and have since, you know, built businesses and a life and two kids and all that fun stuff here in Chicago. 
What was the impetus for you starting your own? Yes, yes. So really, it was a combination. So I had been in Chicago at that point, probably two years or going on two years. The company that I was working for in New York transferred me out here. So that was an easy, you know, work transition. But if like the same thing, you know, when Obama was becoming president, also, we were in a state of crisis as a country, right? The economy was crashing. Um, Companies were closing, they were going bankrupt, people were losing their homes. And the company I was with was one of the ones that was going down the bankruptcy path. And one Friday afternoon, the CEO of that company called a national uh, conference call. And we had offices in New York. New York was the headquarters, Chicago and L.A., um, a couple other cities. Everyone was on a conference call and he was crying. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I think I got to get a job. Because this doesn't this doesn't sound or look good, right? Um, and so it was me telling my then fiance this story about the CEO is saying this, and we're you know in trouble, and he doesn't know how long it's going to last. Um, I need to go figure out what my dream job is so that I'm set up for when this thing crashes. And in that conversation, my husband was like, "Why don't you just text a couple of your clients and see if they'll use you?" to do what you do, you know, if you can make $35,000 that, you know, next year, that's a decent starting salary as an entrepreneur. And then you just grow it from there. And I was like, huh. Um, now to 13 years later, I know that that is a, cr- my reaction to that was that sounds fun, you know, and that's a typical entrepreneur reaction, not a typical same person's <laughs> reaction. And it really was an exciting thought. Um, a challenge, and just fun. And so I did in that moment, texted a couple of clients that I had close enough relationships with, said, hey, if I did what I do for you from my living room, mm-hmm. would you hire me? And they were like, yeah. Right. And that was the start of it. And I didn't know what I didn't know. Uh, I think I still would make that same decision knowing everything now, but I would have made smarter, you know, left turns, right turns along the 13 year path, right? Because now I'm a smarter businesswoman for it. This was my business school. I didn't go to school, right? Right. I did it in real life. So um, that was the start of the company. And it just grew from there. I mean, that is part of it, right? It's like, you know, because you were, you just said you were 40, so you were in your 20s then, right? And so it's kind of like when ignorance is bliss, it's folly to be wise. But you said if you would have known everything, you would have started again. Would you start it again now, not knowing any of it? You know, it's like those kinds of risks and thinking about, um, you know, how women are, they are more risk averse than, than men. And we think more practically, which is fine. Right. But still go for it. Like take that experience that you have, because at this point you would have been super experienced and, and like, oh, OK, I can actually do this. You know? Right. Yeah. Right? I think at different phases of my life, if I would have started the business at these different phases, the business would be different and we would have done different twists and turns. So in my 20s, I didn't have any idea what an exit plan was, what, how to read a balance sheet. I mean, there's a million things that I didn't know Mm -hmm. Um, where actually I had a, a, a mentor of mine asked me once, 
when I was like, okay, I want to take my company from this to this, and I want to sell it one day for this. And he's like, well, if you've owned at that point, I think I owned the company for like 10 years. He was like, if you've had this company for 10 years, why haven't you done all that like already? And why are you, why do you think that you can do it now? And I was like, because I didn't know what I didn't know like back then. Right. Like I didn't know, I didn't start a business with how a lot of people with privilege get to start a business mm-hmm. with your parents or your uncle or somebody already being a business owner or a C-suite individual with any money at all, yeah. um, with any knowledge about how the business world actually works, right? As an owner and as a CEO. So I had to gain that knowledge on my own because no one was like begging to give it to me, money, knowledge, education, any of it. And so then once I learned it, it was like, oh, now I know the game that I'm playing. I know the rules really well. Now I'm going to play the game better, right? Right. And so he was like, oh. Um, So he didn't, you know, it's, it's hard for people to understand my how I've been bought into this world, the, the cards that I've been dealt don't come with the rules. Right. You have to figure yeah. them out by yourself. That's why we started taking care of lady business. And that's why I started the justice department because we weren't. We, you know, we I sit in rooms, you know, look, I've spent 17 years is, you know, with Jay-Z and you know, Rock Nation and the music industry. And I would still sit in rooms with all men and they'd be talking about stuff in finance where I was like, you're not in finance. Like, how do you even know this? Oh, because I now, because of what I do, I'm cool with all these billionaires and they tell me all the stuff and like, I'm like, okay, well, you know, you know, you graduate from college with a college roommate dad network. I want to build a college roommate mom network and, you know, building our own table, which is really like the topic of this particular episode. It's like building your own table and taking now because, Women might be 50% of the population, but we still only get 2% of venture funding. And as women of color, 0.5%, right? So let's share our knowledge and share all this. So like you literally like just said exactly what, you know, what we're doing here. And, and it's like, okay, learn from what I learned, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. what, what are the main takeaways from that? Like having said that, what are the things that you would impart advice like immediately to somebody who's doing it today? Yeah. Um, the first thing is really, really know why you're starting a business, right? Because if you're just starting a business to have something cute and fun to do and make a little bit of money, that's a lifestyle business, right? Like that's a very different reason for starting a business versus I'm starting a business to grow it to a certain, um, profitability so that I can sell it or that I can pass it on to the next generation or whatever your goals are. Right. But you have to, if not at the start, at least once you are set up and you have your clients and you have your, you know, phase one of your processes and procedures in place, figure out what your goal is. Like, what is your end goal? Because if you're just walking, it's like walking. If you're walking around with no end destination in sight, then you're wandering. You're not actually going anywhere. Yeah. But if you have like a destination in mind, um, then you're actually walking towards something. And you have to be okay with and flexible with the idea that the destination might change. And that's okay yeah. because that's real and that's how business works. Um, so that's the big piece of it. And then just get okay with being uncomfortable because as an employee of a place, 
you should expect that your paycheck comes every two weeks, right? You should expect that, um, that you feel a sense of safety and security around your job, um, around uh, the skills that you bring and having them be valued and all these things, right? There's a certain comfort level that should come with working for a place uh, as an employee. But as an owner, you don't have those things. Like you have to create those things for yourself and for the people who work for you. So um, there is no like, oh, when it, it all is perfect. Like there is no such thing as perfect. You have to just constantly be building. And then I guess the money piece, the number one money advice would be when things are good, that's when you go ask for money. Don't ask for money when you need it because no one wants to give you money mm-hmm. when you look like you need money. Yeah, right. <laughs> so when you're having a great year, that's when you go to your bank and your bankers and you say, we need a line of credit, we need a loan, whatever it is. And here's the dollar amount I want. And you're much more likely to get that money then. And then you put it aside for when times get bad, because times will get bad, no matter how great you are, or what your products are, it doesn't matter. Businesses go like this, right? And when they're here, you need help. And that's just a that's what it is, no matter if you're a $12 billion business or a $2 million business, it, you need help. Right. No, that's all amazing and great advice. And I would say in the, you know, having started mine too, it's like, you know, don't be afraid of the pivot though, too, during some of it, like you might find that what you started to do, maybe the world isn't ready for, it doesn't need, but they're all clamoring for something else. Like it's okay. You know, like you definitely need a destination, you might know, not know exactly where that destination or that destination might change on your way there. You know, another thing, it's like, you know, hire people, right? Yes. You need to hire people. One of my, you know, I'm a lawyer by trade. I don't practice all different areas of law, obviously, and I don't practice a ton, but it's like, it is, I mean, I still get goosebumps of women who are getting big jobs or in C-suite and don't hire somebody to negotiate their employment contracts or executive contracts or you know, they start a business and, you know, their husband's accountant says, oh, you can do a DBA. It's like, no, you can't. Like, this is a business. It's not just a little hobby business, right? Where you're like making some caftans on the side, (laughs) like, you know, for your friends. Um, Like, it's not like this is, um, you know, if it's a business, like you need to hire the lawyer. Even if you are a lawyer, I remember when Jay-Z hired me inside in-house and he was like, who am I going to have for an attorney now to to do your deal? And I was like, who am I going to have? And he's like, wait, you're going to hire somebody? I was like, yeah. And the attorney that represents themselves as a fool for a client. So you need an attorney to do these deals. You need to make sure that you're protected and your vendor contracts and, you know, whatever it is, your distribution deals, your merchandising deals, whatever it is you need. That is brilliant advice. Um, And it's like, do it before you think you need it because it's the professional services behind the business that, set the foundation for how solid everything is at Um, the jump, right? Because if you don't have a good accountant, if you don't have a good business lawyer, then, and good as defined by what you can afford, right? Like don't go bankrupt paying for crazy stuff, but you need professionals who know what they're doing. Um, In terms of the hiring piece though, too, I would add on to that. Don't stop at the professional services. Like you also need to hire employees, right? And I think that Women, especially women and people of color, like I just saw, I just saw a a piece of data that said, like, 
I don't know if it's right. Like it's like in the 90s percent, like let's say 92% of black owned businesses only have one to three employees and the rest, you know, let's call it the 5%, you know, are more on a traditional path of growth and, you know, number of employees match up to, you know, what the gross revenue is. And when I saw that, I was like, oh my God, first of all, you can't grow your business bigger than what you can hold in your hand if you don't hire other people. So therefore, your business is only going to be this size if you don't figure out how to strategically add to your team so that you're adding services and capabilities and ability to expand and all of that. And people, again, women mostly, and then people of color tend to not because when you start making money, traditionally for folks like like us, it's like, this is the first time you've actually made significant mm-hmm. money. So then it doesn't make sense that the first thing you want to do is hire someone and pay them, right? It's like, yeah. no, I want to pay myself. And if you get stuck in that, your business will never be bigger, larger than you. It'll always yeah. be whatever you can hold in your hand. And you might not be able to hold as much as you think in your hand, right? Because that's a whole nother thing. So grow your team, but not from the sense of because you want to be a boss of somebody, but because they are adding value to what you're doing. And then that allows you to add services and capabilities or products or, um, you know, be smart about it. And your own mind share, right? Because that's, you know, my mom didn't even graduate high school, like, you know, and it, but it's like, we, you know, so I came from nothing and no higher education. I was the first to do all that stuff, but it's, it's funny how I'd like, because of that, I know how to do so much. And, and it's like, you know, women, we don't do our own hair, our own nails or watch our own, you know, kids basically if we're working. But for some reason in business, it's like, I got to do it all because I can, I know how to do it. And it's like, well, but yeah, but you could hire somebody who actually needs the job too. And you could build the matriarchal system where we're giving each other business and, and giving, which means giving each other money and don't ever ask for free advice. Don't ever do like favors unless you're doing an actual barter situation, which, you know, we won't get to the IRS about that, but anyway, like, like pay women pay what they don't ask for a break, like give them what they deserve and probably 20% more because we always undervalue ourselves anyway. Um, and that's like helps build a whole other system outside of, you know, the patriarchal system, which doesn't want us there in the first place, because if they wanted us there, we would be there. Like they have power and they just haven't invited us in. And so, yes, it's like, do that. Let somebody else thrive too. Don't, you know, you don't even have to look at it like, oh, I can do it. Like, let's clear up your headspace so you can grow the business and give somebody else an opportunity to do something that they really want to do as well. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I love it. So, I mean, look, it's been 13 years. Things are happening. You've learned a lot. Um, but, you know, what What do you think are the things that could potentially be holding you back or that are hard for you still? Like, what are those issues? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So right now, I just felt like we took a if any. No, I'm like, ooh, this is going to be good. Um, no, I think so. W- the number one thing that's difficult right now is we're still like we've never gotten. No one's invested in RLM. We've never gotten outside capital, and not because we haven't tried, because t- to the statistics that we were talking about earlier, right? And people couldn't see 
the growth the way that I knew the growth was going to happen. So we've, all this growth has happened organically, which is a tough way to grow. It's a really hard way to grow. So there are times where I feel that organicness still, right? Like it's hard to navigate in that space when you don't have a million dollars sitting on the side in case you need it, right? It's like, we are really financing the growth of the business from the success of the business where most people in my position who are entrepreneurs have a multi-million dollar business are growing the business from outside investment. So that's really hard to do. The only outside money we've gotten are in the, in the um, space of lines of credit and loans. And we got some PPP money um, during COVID. So all of that has been really instrumental in the growth. Um, where the next piece that is super tough is people underestimate how hard it is to actually navigate growth in a successful way, especially when it happens so fast. Right. And for us, we went from like, you know, good every few years, we would be like, bloop, a, a growth spurt, right? Another two, three, five years, bloop, a growth spurt. COVID was like 10 years of growth in a year and a half. We doubled in size. So for me, I was like, oh my God, it just shone the light on all the stuff that we were doing wrong. We needed a process for this. We needed a procedure for that. We needed to digitize this. And, you know, it was just like, it felt like a mess. It felt like a house of cards that were, it was falling. It never fell all the way, but it was just like, oh, that one fell, that one fell. So that's been tough, but that was, that was my spring and summer this year really just putting bricks in places that was like, oh, there's a hole that I didn't even know we had because we were never, we never were here before. So like before COVID, I had probably eight employees. I have 27 employees now. Oh my God. That's crazy. Yes. Yes. So the amount of growth that we've experienced has been fantastic, but really hard to navigate on all the different levels, you know, that we have to communicate with folks, whether it be vendors or uh, clients and just down to how do we get clients to pay us faster and um, on time, right? right? So that we can finance all of this stuff. So those are, those are the hurdles that I face now. But honestly, because of all the, I'm grateful that I have been at this for the 13 years, because if I had to do what I'm doing now, like year five, I wouldn't, I wasn't qualified. I was not qualified to do this. Um, I was only qualified to do what I was doing. And now I am actually qualified to do what I'm doing today and a little bit more because I know I've lived through cycles already. Mm -hmm. Right. And they teach you a lot. So as hard as it is, they feel like good problems and not unsolvable problems. Right. Right. And that's what it is. Experience, right. It's like going through it. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. What about with your production company? And where is that going? I mean, yeah. I know it's your retirement plan, but like, what do you have yeah. coming up with that? And what kind of like challenges do you see there? Yeah, I think so. Because we're so new in the space. Um, my first challenge is that I am learning the entertainment business, right? Mm-hmm. I'm learning the entertainment business. Doggy, right? Yes. It's, First of all, it's crazy. Uh, And everyone who says it, and then you get in it and you're like, 
Oh my God. So this is the wild, wild west. Like you guys have no rules. I know. It's like, you know, kill or be killed. Know who you know. Don't act like you know me because you don't know me. And like, it's just a lot, right? So as you know, so that's a lot, but I'm fine. Like I, I am good to be in that space because I don't take things personally. I know that if you don't get my art, that doesn't mean it's not good, right? It means you don't get it. But I have to help you get it because if you're the one with the money, I need you to understand this piece of art, right? Or at the very least, understand why it would matter to a different audience than maybe what you fit into. So what I'm happy about, though, as I'm navigating learning the entertainment business is that I'm a businesswoman and a creative coming into the entertainment business and not just a creative. Because the folks who are just, I have a great idea. And they don't know how to package that idea from a marketing perspective. They don't know how to protect their idea from a business perspective. And they don't know how to even like, what is my business goal with what are you wearing beyond creating amazing TV and having people sit at home on their couch and watch it is to get a deal with a, um, a studio because mm-hmm. I want my production company to be a resource to a universal or, you know, a Netflix or something like that, where it's like, we'll pay you, what are you wearing to come up with five shows this year? All right, go ahead, have fun and come back to us when you have your, your package together. And then they decide if they want to pay, you know, to make it real. Um, And so that's where I want to be. And right now, I have good relations, like I have a couple of good relationships with other production companies that have that sort of deal. So Mm -hmm. I can go in and maybe be a resource or a partner with them in their deal in my first, you know, scripted TV show concept. And then from there, try to get a deal like that for myself. And that's, that's where I'm going. Um, While at the same time, removing myself a little bit every day from the running of my ad agency, because it's going to require that for me right. to actually, you know, really dig into it yeah. um, on the production side. So yeah, right now we're, we're building our first pitch um, deck for our uh, first scripted show idea. And enough people have read my book that feel like, Hey, this could be a show and um, the fun part is like exploring the characters because my book is a memoir. So it's, it's my real life story. So turning myself, you know, into a television character um, and turning people that I have had in my life into a television character is so much fun. And whenever I'm in that headspace, I'm like, I can't believe people get paid so to do something that is so much fun. Like right. it's just crazy to me. Um, but that's because I'm a, I'm a writer and I love bringing things to life. If I wasn't making something, I would be dead. Like I have to make things to feel alive. Is there a mission behind the production company or is it just like to have fun and like your creative outlet? Um, right now our mission is really, well, first from a aesthetic perspective, it's all, we love content. That's about real life. Like, I don't think I will ever be in a space where I'm creating like new universes and, you know, alien species and this and that, like, I love humans. I love 
um, our stories. I love getting to know people, why they do what they do and all of that stuff. So we're obsessed with real life. And what we hope to be able to accomplish is express real life stories from the types of people that haven't had the opportunity to put their story out there without the filter of a man or a white person or, yeah. you know, insert whatever there. It's like, how about we tell the story of a 20 something year old black woman from her perspective without anyone else saying they have an opinion about it. Exactly. Right. Like other people get to do. So that's our mission, but with it feeling inclusive because we don't, I I've never, even with my ad agency, I didn't, I don't create things. I'm not like, I love FUBU, but I'm not FUBU, right? I don't, I, it ha- doesn't have to be for us, just like by us, just for us. It's by a black woman, but it's for everyone to enjoy and consume. And if you don't understand bits and pieces of it, I want you to go figure it out, right? Yeah. Like, don't go ask your black friend, like, just go sit down and figure it out you know, if we can sprinkle a little bit of common sense in how you can be a better inclusive friend or, you know, society member, uh, based on just seeing other people's journeys for what they are truthfully, then, you know, that'll be, that'll be great. Amazing. You know, someone personally who does that with their music. I mean, Beyonce honestly is a great example of that from a music perspective where she is unapologetically a black woman doing her art without explaining it to the masses who might not understand. But if you want to go understand what it feels like to be a 40 year old black woman who's married with children and who is super successful and the whole world knows who she is, then you can listen to the art, right? And pick up bits and pieces of what it feels like to be a black woman who's grown because that's real but everyone can say, I enjoy this artwork. Right. So that's really what I'm after from an inner, like a a TV show perspective and just content overall from a content. Amazing. This is awesome. Look, I thought, you know, we loved having you on. This is great. Now we know how to build your own table. Got it. Um, I do have one question I ask everybody at the end, and that is what is the worst advice you've ever received? Yes. Yes. Um, so this was pretty early on in my career in Chicago. Actually, I had uh, a white female colleague tell me that I'll be fine. Farisa will be fine because I speak white. And I was like, I kind of froze in that moment because I was offended, but I didn't know how to express my offense and okay. also correct her or even what to say at that time. I think I was like 26, 27 or somewhere around there. And it kind of still haunts me to this day because Farisa today knows exactly what to say, how to respond to that. And I wish I could bring her back up in my life just to let her know, no, I don't speak white. What you hear is confidence. What you hear is education. What you hear is experience. That's not a white thing. That is uh, a thing that everybody can do and accomplish no matter what color your skin is, no matter what your name is, because we're talking about names on resumes and how, you know, why do black people name their kids this, that, and the third, and if they want them to get jobs. Your name should not be the reason why you do or do not get a job, right? Mm -hmm. And so 
she was almost thinking she was doing me a favor by telling me how well I'll probably do in life. Um, in spite of my name being Farisa and not something that most people would um, know what that, you know, it's not Becky or Karen or whatever. And so I just was like, wow, I wonder where she is today and what she's doing um, and how I, and, and really I'm giving everyone the opposite advice that, you know, she, she gave me back in my twenties and, yeah. and that that's not a white thing. And don't tell people that. And, and I don't want any um, young black woman or any woman of color thinking that that's white, that's unattainable, unachievable because. Exactly. Of right. Exactly. It's endless and limitless. And yeah, that is really, that's like beyond bad. It's like shitty advice. Yeah. So just a shitty thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for coming on here. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Or hire yeah, you so, services, give you a yeah. big deal, Universal Netflix, talking to you. Yes, Universal Netflix. That's why I put it out there in the universe. Um, exactly. They can just go to my website, so farisanox.com. Um, you can learn all things about my agency, my production company, my book, me as a woman. Um, and you can reach out to me through through that site, and it comes directly to my inbox. I love it. And your book is entitled again, in case somebody wants to pick that up. Yes. Um, love, sex, and friendship in no particular order. And honestly, anywhere online, Amazon, Books A Million, uh, Barnes & Noble, it's, it's there. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode. Um, if there's any other things that you want to hear about, let us know. And until the next time, I'm Jennifer Justice.